Adventure Podcast. This podcast is about helping listeners learn from and meditate on our sermons from anywhere at any time. Thanks for joining us, and let's get started. This episode is from the Rethinking My Life series and is called Why I Need to Think About What I Think About. So grab your notes. Let's jump in here. So your mind is actually the greatest asset that you have ever been given physically, especially by God. There is very little that compares to the power of your brain, most of you. (laughs) It's the most complex organ in your body. So the typical brain comprises about 2% of the body's total weight, but uses 20% of its energy and 20% of its oxygen. That's pretty amazing. A piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand contains 100,000 neurons and 1 billion synapses all communicating with each other. Brain information travels from cell to cell at an impressive 268 miles per hour, which is 28 miles an hour faster than a Formula One race car at top speed. Researchers at Sanford University School of Medicine found that the human brain can store 74 terabytes of information. Now, you say, wow, that's really big. Okay, no, no, you have no comprehension. All right, so, because some of you are old, So, some of you remember these, right? Now, the younglings among you are going, yeah, we shoot those at the range. Um, (laughs) Remember when these things came out? It was like the most amazing thing you had ever seen. You're finding out how much stuff you can put on here. All right. So, your brain can store 74 terabytes of information. That's the equivalent of 106,000 of these. Now you're really impressed, right? Now you're really impressed. Though your brain still cannot store why it is you walked into that room. Um, For some (laughs) reason, we're just not going to have that one. They guesstimate that the brain can store 100 trillion thoughts. On average, the human brain is loaded with 34 gigabytes of information every day. That's the equivalent of 48 and a half of these every day. And it can do that. If you live to 80, it's going to do it every day that you live to 80. 24-7, 365. If you live to 80, that's 1.5 million of these. By the way, it is a myth that you're, you only use 10% of your brain, most of you. It is a myth <laughs> that you only use 10% of the brain. The reality is you use 100% of your brain. In fact, you use more, well more than 10%, even when you're just sleeping. The brain is an incredible thing. But the most, in, the most incredible thing about the brain is that God has given you a brain with intellect and reason so that you can communicate with him. 
So you can interact with God through the intellect that he's given you. So what I want to do uh, is today I'm going to give you an overview. I'm going to give you a crash course uh, over what we're going to look at over the next nine months because we're going to rethink our lives. But to rethink our lives, we need to rethink how we think about our lives. So today I'm going to introduce you to the nine truths that we're going to look at in detail. Each week we're going to look at a different truth. Today I want to give you just an overview of each one of those. And the reality is this series and each of these lessons has the potential to change the trajectory of your life if you will use your brain. If you'll put it in gear and make some decisions about how you think. All right. So, nine truths. Truth number one, follow along with me. My thoughts control my life, but I can control my thoughts. Now, once you get those blanks filled in, go back and circle that word can and circle it two or three times so it stands out. This is a very profound, politically incorrect statement. My thoughts control my life, but I can control my thoughts. We live in an age where self-control is simply rejected out of hand. I feel it, therefore it must be. I think it, therefore it must be true. Proverbs chapter 23. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever you focus on in your thoughts, that's what you're going to become. Now, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Be careful what you think. Why? Here, underline to the end. Because your thoughts run your life. In fact, you could actually go back to the word run and add an I in there after the you. Your thoughts also ruin your life if you're not careful about it. Now, let's go to the next verse. The same verse, different, different translation. Be careful how you think. Again, why? Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Now, two things become profoundly clear to us. A, my life is determined by what I think. Understand this. Your life is the sum total of your thoughts. Don't like where your life is? Guess what you got to deal with? Your thoughts. See, Think bad thoughts, have bad life. Think careless thoughts, have careless life. Think stupid thoughts. Welcome to what we call recovery, right? Think smart thoughts, have a smart life. Think good thoughts, have a good life, right? The next thing, B, I can choose what I think about. Again, after you fill in the blanks, go back and circle the word can. You can. You absolutely can. See, one of the biggest obstacles in our life is our failure to exercise the freedom of choice in what we think about. We need to challenge our thoughts. You really need to ask yourself, do I really want to think this? Is this, is this necessary for me to think this? If I think this, is this going to make my life better or worse, because I can control my thoughts. So what am I going to do? See, most of the problems in your life come because you're allowing things outside your brain to control what happens inside your brain. 
you're not taking responsibility for controlling what goes on in here. Your thoughts control your life, but you alone are in control of your thoughts. So we're going to teach you how to be more intentional about what gets your attention. All right, let's go truth number two. Any change I want in my life must start in my mind. Got to start in my mind. Change starts in your brain, not in your behavior. Change starts in your cerebrum, not in your circumstances. Change starts inside of you, not outside of you. You don't start by changing your behavior. You start by changing the way you think. Listen, if you don't change the way you think, you'll never control your behavior. And eventually, society's going to look at you and go, time out. We're going to park you someplace where you can think for 30 days without interruption. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, quit measuring yourself by all the people around you, especially the unbelievers. But let God transform you into a new person by changing what? The way you think. See, if you change the way you think, then you'll be able to tell what God's will is for you in every situation. So we're going to teach you how to be more intentional about what gets your attention, but we're also going to teach you how to dismantle some of those things that you've created that are bad patterns inside your head. Truth number three, I can change how I feel by changing how I think. Want to feel better? Tired of being depressed? You're going to need to learn to think in new patterns. You've got to change the way you think. Why is that important? The way you think determines the way you feel every time. See, a lot of times we try to change our feelings, but that doesn't work. Hey, so have you ever noticed that your feelings are really resistant to any changes you want to make? <laughs> So I've struggled with depression since I was, uh, was in high school. And I eventually, as I matured and I learned more about how to deal with stuff, I, I just chuckle. I mean, it still happens today. I've been doing this now for probably 45 years I've been dealing with depression. And I still chuckle when people come up to me and they find out that I'm having a hard week or whatever, and they just come up to me and they say, Hey, don't feel sad. <laughs> and I'm like, Eureka! <laughs> That's it! How did I never think of that? Thank you so much. You've just rocked my life. My whole world has changed. Thank you so much. Listen, you can't force a feeling. It's just not going to happen. But what I have learned is that I can't control my thoughts, and my thoughts determine how I feel. My thoughts determine how I feel. Listen, if you're thinking fearful thoughts, you're going to feel what? Fear. Yeah, absolutely. If you're thinking depressed thoughts, you're going to feel depressed. depressed. Then the pharmaceutical community needs you. <laughs> if you're thinking angry thoughts, you're going to feel? Yeah, I mean, it's just, if you're thinking bitter thoughts. Yeah, so you've got to make a choice. When my brain wants to go that way, I'm not going with it. 
You do not have to cooperate with your thoughts. You do not. So you choose the way you're going to think and you stay with it even when you don't feel it. We could go Thursday, I had a state trooper commit suicide. Uh, Friday night, a state trooper killed while rescuing in a hostage situation. Davenport lost a policeman this week. Uh, today I bury one of my friends. If I cooperated with my feelings, I would be in the bottom. Oh, and my basement flooded last night. So if I cooperated with my feelings right now, you know where I'd be? In the bottom of my closet with both doors closed. You don't have to cooperate with how you feel. You make a choice to focus elsewhere and you you go that way, even when you don't feel it. You become intentional. You make a choice. Listen, King David, he wasn't just king of Israel. He was a king of bad choices. I mean, he was a horrible dad. He was a terrible husband. He made a lot of bad choices. But he would, get, he would regroup and he would refocus. I have no doubt he'd be on meds today. But watch what happens in Psalm 42. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? So he decides now, I'm going to be intentional in what I think about. So watch what he says. I will put my hope in God. He's making a conscious decision of the will. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will what? I will choose to remember God. One of my favorite lines in the Old Testament is exactly like this thing here. It's the story of Jonah. So God called Jonah and said, I want you to go to your national enemies and I want you to preach my, I want to give you, I want you to go and be my spokesman. I want you to give them a warning and I want you to call them to repentance so I can show them mercy. And Jonah's like, show my enemies mercy? Don't think so. Jonah takes off and runs away. He realizes he's in big trouble. Storm comes up, going to sink the boat. People in the boat figure out, this is not a normal storm. This is a supernatural storm. And we think it's him. <laughs> and so they confronted him. Do you know what he did? He tried to commit suicide. He said, well, I think the only thing you're going to be able to do is throw me overboard. So they throw him overboard, and his hope is with all this storm water, he's going to die. I mean, for him, it's a win-win. If he dies, he doesn't have to go to his enemies. And if he dies, maybe God will leave him alone. So what do they do? They pick him up, they throw him overboard, he gets on the water. God has created a big, special, one-use fish that comes up and swallows him. Now, Jonah, feeling those big bass lips, has got to be thinking, all right, good, this won't take long. Three, four minutes, it'll all be over. Three days later, <laughs> he is still alive. And I love what he says. I want to give you some context because you've always had this real spiritual thinking. You've not thought like an idiot. So it's messed up. Well, you have, but just not in this story. Listen to what he says. Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. When I had lost all hope. So people are going like, oh, he's thinking God's not going to rescue. No. The hope he lost is he was hoping he would die. <laughs> he was hoping he would get his way and be able to continue to be selfish. And he's realizing that's not going to happen. When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts 
back to where they should have been to start with. And my earnest prayer went to you in your holy temple. Listen, we're going to give you some tools to help you adjust your thinking and ultimately deal with how you feel and turn your hope where it should be. Truth number four. Every behavior is based on a belief. Man, the Bible has a lot to say about this, but everything you do is based on some kind of a belief. Anytime you do anything, there is a belief driving it. Anytime you see somebody doing something, whether it's good or it's bad or indifferent or whatever, it's because there is a belief that's driving them in that direction. All of your behavior is based on a belief. Sometimes it's, a, it's an unspoken belief. But all of your behavior is based on a belief. So in the Old Testament book of, of Haggai, which I love that name since I was in grade school, a lot of people look at it and go, oh, is that Haggai? Nope, it's Haggai. Nothing makes a junior high boy happier than having a weird Bible name that sounds like something he understands. In the Old Testament book of Haggai, God warns people to think carefully to do a little bit of internal study, some introspection into why they do what they're doing. Now watch this, Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. Now, this is what the Lord of armies says. Carefully, circle this word, consider. Carefully consider your ways. He's saying, listen, you need to do an internal investigation. Give some deep, give some thought Seriously consider what you're doing and why in the world are you doing it? So I need to ask myself, why am I doing this? Why, uh, what's triggering me here? Why does this person bug me so much? You know, you got that one person you work with, you see him coming and you're just like, Please walk by me. Please walk by me. Please walk by me. <laughs> or you're going to a family reunion. And when you get there, you say, so-and-so here, are they coming? you got to help me. So help me God. Right? So this says, you got to sit down and you got to think, what is it about them that bugs me? What is it about them that makes me want to throat punch them? I've had family reunions. I get it. <laughs> Why does that person light me up? Why do they punch my button? Why do I let them get to me? Because the only way they can get to me is if I let them. So we're going to learn how to get behind our choices and our responses. We're going to find out the truth about why we react the way we react. What, what is it we believe? All right, truth number five. Every sin is based on a lie. So every action is based on a belief, but every sin is based on a lie. Anytime I sin at that particular moment, I am always, 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 always believing a lie. And Satan loves us to believe lies. And so he baits us. He entices us with lies. So Years ago, I used to guide waterfowl hunts on the Missouri River. Loved doing it, man. I was so excited when I have a chance to move to the Mississippi River. I'm going to live on the Mississippi Flyway. 
more ducks, more waterfowl fly over our community here than fly on every other, actually, three-fourths of all waterfowl fly over our town. I mean, it's a massive number. And I thought, man, someday I'm going to live on the Mississippi, and I'm going to have so much fun. I have, in 25 years, I have been duck hunting three times for a total of four and a half hours. <laughs> it just makes me sad whenever I see them over and under, because that's what it was for, and it's just not getting used. Um, I have a garage full of decoys in the rafters, and uh, I don't know, drives me crazy. But back in Europe, before they had firearms, the Europeans would string a really fine net over, uh, over a cove or over a stream. And they would take one waterfowl, actually tie it with a rope or a string, and plant it on the edge of that. And then it would sit out there in the water. And as the wild waterfowls, the wild ducks would fly over, the job of that one that was stuck to the water was to bait them down. So it's desperate. It sees these ducks flying over, so it does what we call a hail call. And it says, wah, 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 wah. Okay, so it's doing this call to get these other birds down. These other birds look down and go, oh, hey, wow, that guy's content. He would be following us if he, you know, if it wasn't good down there. So it must be better down there than it is up here. So those ducks would come down. Now, when they come down onto the water and land, the hunters are off to the side, and they start reeling that, well, their trapped duck back into the netting. And then when the time is ready, they collapse the net, and they have them all. What's that duck called that sits out there in the open to get the other ducks down? The decoy comes from the word decoy, which means to entice. It's the enticer. Listen, Satan puts out decoys to get you to think it's safe. His whole role, his whole purpose is to decoy, to entice you to come down. So that, that decoy is intended to entice you into thinking something that is not safe is safe. That this is the right direction to go. Watch this from Proverbs 14. See, the victims feel safe, but they're not. There is a path before each person that seems right. That looks good, but it ends in what? Death. Ever been really sure that you were going to do something that was the right thing to do, only to feel that net drop afterwards? We're going to talk what Scripture has to say about how to spot those lies, those enticements, those decoys, and how to get, well, how to get free of the decoy. Truth number six. There's an unseen war going on in and for my mind. That's the purpose of that decoy. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Listen, too many of us have gotten this really, 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 really cavalier and careless approach to following Jesus Christ. We wake up in the morning, we get our little inspirational thought, we pull on our spiritual flip-flops and our Bermuda shorts, and we think, I'm going to walk out here and ride this cruise ship to heaven today. <laughs> Man, I hate to break the news to you. Christianity is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. We are at war in this life. 
We are at a war and we are in a continual battle with Satan because he wants to entice us toward not doing what we should do, toward not living as alert as we should alert. He wants to destroy us. And guess who he's going to use to do that? Us. Us. Romans chapter 7. This is written by the Apostle Paul, a guy who wrote a third of the New Testament. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my what? Circle those words, sinful nature. You have a sinful nature. I've had people tell me, I don't have a sinful nature, I'm a good person. Dude, that just proves you have a sinful nature. I mean, that statement right there would convict you in any court in the land. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. See, can I just tell you, that's the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. If you're not having some kind of a spiritual struggle in your growth, you are not growing. If you're not feeling that you're behind, you're not growing. You should be growing until the day that God calls you home. Listen, if you've gotten complacent, if you've gotten comfortable spiritually, we need to consider our ways. We need to do some introspection because the whole point of Christianity is you have to practice it and choose it again every day to live it. If you're not doing that, you're giving in to the decoy and you're going down a path that's going to get you in trouble. Truth number seven. To win the battle of my mind, I must have God's spirit and God's word inside me. So God's spirit and God's word. Jesus made a promise to the disciples and it is a principle that still affects you and me today as well. Watch this from John 14. But when the Father sends the advocate, some of the older translations will say the comforter. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything. In other words, you're going to grow. And he will remind you, circle the word remind. He will remind you of everything that I have told you. So since Jesus isn't physically with us today, he says, I'm going to give you two tools that will be at your disposable 24-7. All you've got to do is use them. The presence of the Holy Spirit and the written word of God. In other words, his words in written form so that you can look it up yourself every day. It's always there with you. You can hold it and you can look at it and you can memorize it. So he promises that the Holy Spirit will be there to guide us by reminding us what he has already said, which is what's written in the book. So years ago, I was really excited. When it comes to uh, what I like to refer to as adventure tech, um, I, I had, when I got my first GPS... It was about the size of a brick, <laughs> and it was a monochromatic screen on it, little probably 
three by three monochrome, maybe actually two and a half by two and a half inch monochromatic screen that honestly looked like an Etch-a-Sketch. And I would go out and I would hold it up so it could locate me and it would come on there and there'd be this little dot showing me that I was there. And so I took off and I went driving to use it. And I drove around and I could see it drawing my little Etch-a-Sketch line, you know, as I'd go along. Now, the only problem that I had, God, this will be great. If I ever get lost, I can just go back over my route. Except it was missing something. I could see that I was here on my screen. But I couldn't tell where I was in relationship to anything else. It was just like an Etch-a-Sketch. There was nothing else on it. Well, that made me unhappy. And so I went home, and I, I did that thing that my manhood resisted. I pulled out the owner's manual. <laughs> and I looked at it and I read it. I had to actually download some maps into it. <laughs> Who to thunk? That's how far back this was. So I had to take the time to download maps over a dial-up internet connection. <laughs> when I had to pay extra for the maps. Those were the days. But I'll tell you what. Once I put the maps in it, suddenly, not only could I see on the screen that it was tracking me, I could tell where I was in relationship to everything else or in reference to everything else. I could actually look things up and head toward them. Think of the Holy Spirit as your GPS. But it only works if you download the maps. And the map is in God's Word. You have got to invest the time to sit down and download what God has said inside of you. That's how the Holy Spirit reminds you. If you don't put it in there, there's nothing for the Holy Spirit to remind you of, no matter how much He wants to. See, Jesus didn't promise that the Holy Spirit would aid you with no effort on your part. <laughs> he never promised that. It says He'll remind you. He can't remind you of something you don't already know. So the Holy Spirit and Scripture work together in conjunction with each other. If you don't have them both it's not going to function well or correctly. You've got to have them both in there. We're going to talk about how to fill out that, how to, how to, how to grow up and mature to not short-circuit God's plan for directing your life. All right, truth number eight. Our goal is to learn to think like Jesus. So I've got to learn to think like Jesus. This is important. Romans chapter 8. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like who? The people around them? The pastor? Who? Like Jesus. Philippians 2.5. You must have the same, circle this word, attitude. Some of the older translations may say the mind that Christ Jesus had. Listen, you won't know... What that is, if you don't study it. People say, oh, no, no, man, I know Jesus was loving, and he wants everyone to be happy. He just wants everyone to get along. 
that just proves you have no idea what you're talking about. Jesus used to call people names. <laughs> he actually went into the temple, took a rope, tied knots in it, flipped over a bunch of tables, and hit people with ropes. So a righteous temper tantrum is on the menu. <laughs> it is something Jesus did. 1 Peter chapter 4. But it goes beyond that. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. See, flip-flops and Bermuda shorts on that Christian cruise ship does not match up <laughs> with suffering. A lot of us think the suffering we're going to have is, oh, I ate too much at the buffet. No. No. <laughs> He says, if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You've gotten control of yourself because you've learned to deal with it. See, Jesus is the model that we're to emulate. And again, you've got to study him in Scripture. So I'm going to learn to think like Jesus, but I'm going to go one step further. Number nine, truth number nine. I need to think how Jesus thinks. So yeah, you need to learn it. How many of you know the right thing to do and you still don't do it? You go down, you, you, you go to Golden Corral, and you're like, man, I know the right thing to do, and I'm so going to mess this up. You know, I actually go in and sit at the opposite end of the room from the dessert thing. I mean, a chocolate fountain. Oh, my gosh. I don't know who invented that, and I don't care what they did. They should be in heaven. Um, and they should work in the kitchen in heaven. So I shouldn't just learn how he thinks, but I should learn to think like he thinks. See, I need to put it in action. See, rethinking my life, learning to think like Jesus, putting that into play, there's actually a word in the, in the New Testament for that action. It's called Repentance. Repentance means I'm going to quit doing what I want to do, and I'm going to start doing what he wants me to do. I'm going to quit thinking the way the world thinks, and I'm going to start thinking the way Jesus thinks. I'm going to quit seeing things from my own selfish point of view, and I'm going to learn to see the universe from the, the point of view of Jesus. You see, I used to think guilty thoughts. I used to fear God. I used to fear dying and having to stand in front of him. When I was a kid, I remember a guy at camp saying, someday when you die, you're going to stand before God and there's going to be a giant drive-in theater screen. <laughs> and God's going to show all your sins to everybody there in heaven. They're going to watch all your sins. Your mama's going to be there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Actually, that's not in Scripture. There's not going to be any movie screen. Not everybody's going to watch your, skin, watch your sins. You know why nobody's going to care about your sins in heaven? Because they're going to be so happy theirs isn't being counted against them. They're not going to care what yours are. They're going to be so happy. See, I used to think guilty thoughts. Now I think of forgiveness. I think of mercy. I used to think of fear and condemnation and discouragement. Now I think of peace and hope. I used to think of hell. Now I think of heaven. 
I used to think of no meaning, no purpose. Now I think of a life mission given divinely by God. I used to think God was angry with me all the time. Now I realize God's in my corner and he's pulling for me. I used to think God ignored me except when I did something bad. Now I realize God never stops thinking about me. Acts chapter 3. Now repent of your sins and turn to who? So the repentance is followed by a change in my choices and how I think. So that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Anybody here need a little refreshment? Anybody here need a little renewal? Anybody here need a little recovery? You know where that comes from? Rethinking how I think and changing my thoughts to be more like Jesus. Taking responsibility, taking control of my thoughts. That's what we're going to help you do over the next few weeks. Would you pray with me? Father, the cry of our hearts today is that you will renew us that you will refresh us, that you will revive us, that you will draw us in our relationship to you. Father, bring renewal into our lives through this series. Help us to learn to put in place this principle of repentance that changes how we think and what we think about. Lord, as we look through these things, we want to change our minds and how we think about you and how we think about life and how we think about what matters and how we think about what's really important and how we think about spending our time and how to spend our lives so that we're investing them and not wasting them. Father, we want to think like Jesus. And if you've never opened your life to Jesus, you could do that right now. If you never received him and allowed him to put his spirit in you and help you start making this change in your thinking to change your whole life, you can do that right now. You can pray, just put it in your own words. You can say to him right now something to the effect of Jesus, come into my life right now. I need your forgiveness. I need what you did for me on the cross. I need what you did for me in your death. I need what you did for me in your physical resurrection from the grave. And I invite you to come in and make yourself real to me. I want to learn to love you and trust you. I want to make, well, I want to think about my life the way you do so my life can become what you created me to become. You know, as we close today, I pray a blessing on every one of you here today. Father, bless each person here today. Give them a strong sense of the conviction of your spirit. Father, show us when we fall short. Father, encourage us to repent, to change the way we're thinking about that, to stop believing the lies, to start believing truth, to adjust our thinking to a true and a real perspective. Help us to realize this life isn't all there is. There is more beyond. Help us to live with that in mind. And Father, help us to get off the cruise ship and start helping people to find you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.